Hi, this is Bob Bostock, and welcome to Discover DEP, the official podcast of the New Jersey Department of Environmental Protection. Each week, we talk with DEP experts about how we protect and preserve New Jersey's air, water, land, and natural and historic resources. So that you'll never miss one of our podcasts, please subscribe to Discover DEP on iTunes or Google Play. You can also follow DEP on the web at nj.gov DEP. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy our podcast. Hi, this is Bob Bostock, and welcome to another edition of Discover DEP. Today, we are joined by LaRonda Avilas and Kristen Hansen to discuss lead in drinking water and DEP's new lead website. Lead in drinking water has been a subject of concern for the past couple of years, and DEP is working hard to make sure that all New Jerseyans have safe water to drink and that they have all the necessary information available to them to ensure that the water that they use in their homes is safe and healthy for consumption. So I want to thank LaRonda and Kristen for joining us today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. First, let's start by getting some background on lead in drinking water. Kristen, what is lead? Lead is a metal that is commonly found in the environment, but really for drinking water purposes, it's actually found in the plumbing materials. So we don't really find lead too much in New Jersey in the source water. It's primarily when you hear about lead being in drinking water, it's actually coming from your lead pipes, lead solder, lead service lines. That's where it's commonly found when you discuss it in drinking water. It can be in other substances such as lead-based paint, toys, things like that. But as far as drinking water, it primarily comes from your fixtures. So when the water is coming through the fixtures, does it like corrode some of the lead or just some of the lead uh, particles get into the, into the water? Yes. So as the water is corrosive, then the lead leaches into the drinking water. There's many things that can contribute. For example, the pH of the water, also how long the water stands in those pipes. So if it sits in the, your plumbing for a longer extended period of time, for example, overnight or when you're away at work, then it leaches more in, during those periods of time. The plumbing fixtures and the, and the lead pipes and stuff, are they still in widespread use or have they been discontinued, but there's still a lot around in older homes or kind of how does that work? Lead was in fixtures, actually was banned in lead plumbing in 1986. New Jersey actually ex- accepted the provisions in 1987. However, we have seen some water systems identify lead solder being used even after that date. So maybe some plumbers had it laying around and they still used it. And also their supply. Exactly. Yeah. Also, lead-free prior to 2014 was considered to be 8% lead. After 2014, it's 0.25% can actually contain lead. So there was actually some lead in your fixtures even now. We've seen that even with some of the school sampling that's been conducted. Some of the fixtures have come back with lead results above the actual level. So you can see lead in different things. Lead service lines are no longer actually being installed, but they're still in place. So if you haven't had lead service line replaced, then you can actually have a lead service line. Not everyone in New Jersey has lead service lines. A lot of water systems now we are looking at to have them kind of get an inventory. Uh, Some have lead service lines, others don't. Depends. There's also something called a lead gooseneck, which is the part that connects the water main to your service line. Mm. Not everyone has them, but they are out there. So it can come from many sources. So why do we care about lead, Miranda? It's a naturally occurring element, right? It's out there in the environment. It's not a man-made thing. Why do we care about it? Lead actually has negative effects on the human body. 
Lead can cause brain damage and can affect your red blood cells and also your kidneys. It is extremely harmful to young children and pregnant women as well. Young children and pregnant women are at higher risk of damage if they ingest too much lead. Yes, that is true. So that's why we've been paying a lot of attention, I guess, to lead in drinking water at schools. Yes. Yes. And uh, LaRonda, I know you have been working very hard on developing tools that school districts can use to test their water uh, and make sure that the water they're providing to the students in the schools does not contain lead. Tell us a little bit about what you've been doing along those lines. Well, in July 2016, the New Jersey Board of Education actually released regulations requiring all public schools and school facilities that are actually receiving state funding to go out and test all the drinking water outlets in their schools for lead. And I've been working to provide guidance on helping the school personnel to actually collect active representative samples. So, and, and that's important, what you just said, the representative samples. So it's not just a case of taking a bottle's worth of water and setting it off to be sampled. And see, there are certain steps that need to be taken uh, to see whether lead is a threat, right? That is true. So, for instance, I understand, um, you know, Kristen, you talked about how if the water has been sitting in the pipes, say, overnight, it might be that the first water that you draw in the morning might have more lead than than the water would later on when the water's just flowing through the pipe. So that's part of the whole testing regime, Miranda, isn't it? Yes. One of the requirements is that stagnation period that you are referring to where the water sits stagnant in the pipes and as the water is actually coming in contact with the plumbing material of the plumbing infrastructure in the schools or in your residents' homes. And then we would like the samples to be collected first thing in the morning, as you said, to actually get a representative sample of the actual lead content that the plumbing infrastructure could be leaching into the drinking water. Yeah, so testing it first thing before it's had a chance to run out of the pipes, that's what really gives you the idea of whether there's a problem. Yes. Yeah. Is there any safe level of lead in drinking water? No lead is good lead. And we do have a action level. It is not a maximum contaminant level, to not get confused with that as like a health-based number. It's actually the action level to when you reach this level, the action is required to be taken. The action level for lead is 15 parts per billion, and the action level for copper is 1,300 parts per billion. Yeah, you mentioned copper, which we have not discussed before, but there's actually a rule called the lead and copper rule, uh, because both of those uh, elements, if they're ingested, can cause problems with human health. You mentioned 15 parts per billion. So if the tests come back and say it's only five parts per billion, are there things that that must be done to reduce it even more? Or or how does that work? Does it do steps to ameliorate the problem, just kick in at 15 and you do nothing under 15? Or what do you suggest people do? Bob, that's a good question. No lead is good lead. No lead is good. So there is no lower level that any lower level below 15 you could take action on. Mm-hmm. So there are other steps that people could do to reduce the amount of lead, whether it's in a school or it's in a home or maybe in your work environment. You could actually allow the water to flush mm-hmm. prior to consuming any of the water at the outlet. So you explain will, how does that how does that work, flush the water? What does that mean? Okay, so you just turn the faucet on and allow the water to run for, I would say, 30, to, 30 seconds to a minute to get any of that, that water that has been sitting dormant in that pipe or that infrastructure out. And then you could also only use cold water for drinking or for cooking purposes. And there are other steps that you could also do. Like if you're a home and you would want your home 
tested for this lead content, you could contact your water supplier or a certified laboratory. Just be aware that the cost of that you might be responsible for. Right, responsible for. Yes. But it's probably a good idea to get it tested. And if you do find there is a level of lead there, you don't necessarily have to go out and replace all your plumbing fixtures by doing that flushing that you mentioned in the morning. Get that stagnant water out. And then when you're drawing water to cook in or, or for drinking, you draw the cold water instead of the hot water. Because I guess the lead is more inclined to leach uh, from the plumbing fixtures into the water and hot water. Is that right. correct, Kristen? That's correct. So yeah. when you flush in, you know, in the morning or when you get back from work, you definitely want to flush the cold tap and make sure that you know the water that's been sitting there is, is flushed. So you don't want to, it gets more corrosive if it's the hot water. Even with sampling protocols, they, they require samples to be taken from the cold water tap. Also, in addition, just to mention how Rolanda said to flush it, um, for you know 30 seconds or more you want to also see if you have a lead service line because if you have a lead service line you definitely want to flush that longer mm -hmm. because you don't want to get that amount of water that's been sitting in your lead service line all day or overnight and right. then be that the first amount of water you're drinking so you definitely want to see what your plumbing is in your home and then also determine what your service line is because if it is a lead service line you want to flush that for more than a minute and how can you determine whether you have a lead service line is that something your water purveyor can tell you I would definitely recommend reaching out to the water purveyor first, see if they have records. Fortunately, some of the lead service lines are very old, so the records may not, not exist. Some water purveyors have been willing to come out and actually help you identify if it is a lead service line. There's also some videos online if you Google and, and you help you identify it. There's also these lead swabs that you can actually purchase that are approved by EPA that you rub on your solder or your service line. It actually lets you know if there's lead content present. Oh, that's interesting. Do water purveyors uh, test for lead in their system? Are they required to do any testing? And if so, how often? So water systems in New Jersey, we have different categories of water systems, but the most common that everyone thinks of is their public water system, which we call community water systems. So all community water systems and then a smaller subset of what's called non-transient, non-community water systems, for example, maybe an office building on their own well, have to sample under the lead and copper rule. They have to take a certain number of samples in their distribution system. It's all based on your population. So some systems may take 100 samples and some systems may take five. It's all based on your population. So it also depends on where they are in the lead and copper rule. Initially, when it came out in 1991, all water systems had to do two consecutive six months of monitoring, one between January and June, and then July through December. If everything was under the action level, if they didn't have an action level exceedance, then they could go to annual. And then after three years, they could go to triannual. So every water system is different. Some may have had an action level exceedance or no background standard. Some may have never had an issue, and they're still continuing every three years. But they are doing testing on an ongoing basis uh, yes. at some interval, whether one year or three years or more frequently if they've found. Yes, and well, we have a website called Drinking Water Watch, mm -hmm. which they can get information about the public water system. And on there, there's actually their monitoring schedule, and you can actually see their results. Right. We have a link to that website on the description of this podcast, so I would encourage folks to click on that link and uh, go check out and see what the results were on the water system that serves your home and uh, workplace. Now, Lorana, we have a, a new lead website, and uh, you're one of the stars uh, <laughs> because you are appearing in a number of the videos that give guidance to schools on how to test for lead. So could you tell us a little bit about the new website, what can be found there, and uh, how it can be useful to the people who are listening to this podcast today? Yes. 
first, thank you for calling me a star. <laughs> but we do have a lead and drinking water website. Uh, we have links for the public water system if you're a public water system on there. If you're a consumer, we have a link for you too. And what you were just talking about is our link to schools. And we recently redesigned the school webpage. So it does include those vignettes that you're talking about, the videos. And it actually takes the school kind of like hand in hand through the, all the process of the steps. And we have those videos that show you. And we also have presentations on there and also training material to help the school in every step that they have to do with the sampling. Because like you said, it is very important to follow the sampling procedures so that you get representative samples of the lead and the drinking water in the schools. Yeah, it's uh, as I've watched the videos and, and uh, the presentation and learned about this subject myself, I found that while it's not doesn't require great technical expertise to draw the samples correctly. It does have to be done in the right way. So it's a little bit complicated, but the beauty of the videos is rather than just have this long piece of paper that tells you what to do, you can actually see how it's being done. And that's really helpful, I think, for uh, school districts in figuring out how to test the water in their schools. Yes, I'm hoping that I'll help the schools and give them other sources of guidance to get through this process. Additionally, we want to add more remediation help for the schools as they're evaluating this data. It helps to look at this data and really evaluate and understand it. Because we understand that as schools, they have a billion other things going on. And their top priority might not be just the water, it would also be the safety of the students, which falls under, and then education and everything like that. So we understand that. So we want to provide them guidance in every step of it. And as I said, the mediation guidance is to follow as well. Right. Now, Kristen, are we working on other lead initiatives, other programs that uh, DEP is working on to address the uh, potential problems that may face some water systems, or some homeowners? So we have actually developed a whole self-assessment of the whole lead and copper rule. The lead and copper rule is a very complex rule. So we actually started an initiative to call in all lead and copper sampling plans of the public water systems that I had mentioned before. We have currently 540-something sampling plans in-house that we are reviewing, and uh, we also are reviewing other parts of the plan which we call water quality parameter plans, which is like pH and, and alkalinity. And we've been reviewing those plans and making sure the most important part of that plan is making sure that the systems are sampling from those correct sites. So what the sites are most vulnerable. So the ones that have the lead service lines, the ones that have the copper pipe with lead solder. And as a result of this initiative, we've actually identified systems that over time they've changed their sampling plans because they all are dependent on the customers. They sample from people's homes. Maybe in 91, they originally had a sampling pool that met all the tier criteria, the most vulnerable, but then over time, someone that's been sampled three times say, I know what my lead result is, I'm not interested. And over time, the water system's just gone to the next door neighbor that might not meet that tier criteria. So what we've been doing is making sure to evaluate their system, evaluate their sampling plans, and look at their sampling pool and come up with a correct sample to meet that tier criteria. Well, that's great because although it's true that uh, the greatest threat, particularly to children, of lead ingestion is from lead-based paint and lead dust that are in the homes created by lead-based paint. You know, if it's on the window and you're opening and closing the window, it creates the dust and that can be either breathed in or, or consumed. The greatest threat that children face, as Lorana said, no lead is good lead, right? <laughs> so uh, even though the lead in the water does not pose as uh, widespread a threat as uh, old lead paint does, it's nevertheless very important that we know 
whether the water does contain any lead, and that we take the steps needed to address that problem because the problems that uh, too much lead uh, in the body can cause, especially among children and uh, pregnant women, are pretty severe and um, can have lifelong effects. I suspect not only on the pregnant woman, but on the child that she bears as well. So this is really important work that the two of you are doing. Um, I, I know over the past year or so, particularly since the uh, issue of lead and water came to national prominence uh, due to a situation out in the Midwest, that uh, we have been redoubling our efforts here at DEP and have made an enormous amount of progress in providing people with more information, with tools that they can use to uh, identify uh, whether there is lead in the water, and also thanks to legislation that uh, Governor Christie signed, making sure that our schools are doing the testing, and uh, if they do find lead, making sure that the water that's available to their students, faculty, and staff does not contain lead. Now, of course, the websites are all on the description of the podcast, but I understand there's also a phone number that people can use, as well as a presence on social media. So, Rhonda, can you tell us a little bit about that? For more information on lead and copper, or just lead, and drinking water, they could call the lead team at 609-292-2957. And we also have a Facebook page, <laughs> NJH2O. And I've been on that NJH2O Facebook page, and it is filled with all sorts of great information including direct links to some of our podcasts. So I would encourage everybody to visit that. And we will, of course, have the phone number and the link to the Facebook page on the description of the podcast as well. So I want to thank both of you for coming today. We really appreciate the time you're taking out to talk with us about this very, very important subject that really has great impact on the health of our citizens. Uh, the work you're doing is making a huge difference. And I think that our listeners and everybody else in New Jersey uh, can have a lot of confidence that our lead team is really on the cutting edge of uh, not only the public outreach efforts, but also on the science in terms of understanding how we can address these issues as they appear. So I want to thank both of you very much for being here today, and thank you also for the work you're doing to make sure that our drinking water is as safe and healthy as it possibly can be. Thank you. <laughs> thank you thank for you. having us. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Discover DEP. If you have comments on the podcast or ideas for future podcast topics, please email us at podcast at dep.nj.gov. Enjoy the rest of your day.